Welcome to the Mr. Vincent podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Vincent, and happy Friday Eve. Although by the time most of you guys hear this podcast, it will in fact already be Friday. Um, So for this episode, I did uh, have a conversation with my cousin earlier this evening, who's actually been on this podcast several times. Um, We talked about essentially what we're seeing taking place in this country, a shift um, in an effort to combat systemic racism with the Black Lives Matter movement and all the protests that are taking place. Um, And we also just um, stressed like how... Well, we feel that this future generation is in good hands in this effort. Um, we also did talk about why essentially it's important to vote, um, especially in 2020 in this current climate that we're living in. Then we gave our thoughts and opinions on whether or not the NBA should resume the season as we're seeing several key players, including Kyrie Irving, um, are opposed to the NBA uh, resuming play down in Orlando in the bubble. So all that and more is coming up on this podcast. But first, I want to let you guys know about an event. Um, Seeing how Friday is Juneteenth, um, there will be a Juneteenth event hosted by the My Brothers Keepers organization of Cambridge, which is from 2.30 to 6. It starts at uh, the Graffiti Alley in Cambridge, Central Square. And then a walk will take place over to the main public library on Broadway. I'm going to be a lot of uh, activities going on there, public speaking, a book drive, music. Uh, my man DJ Viper is going to be out there on the ones and twos. Shout out to Viper. Um, so if you guys are free, I highly recommend that you guys go and support that event. And if you want more information, you can go to the IG page of My Brothers Keepers Cambridge. Again, that's My Brothers Keepers Cambridge. The flyers on there with all the information uh, regarding the event. So. We can actually get into it right now. Here it is. It's the Mr. Vincent Podcast, episode 44. Tap in. So what's your whole thoughts right now on um, what's what you're seeing transpiring in the wake of uh, the protests, Black Lives Matter movement um, since the murder of George Floyd? Um, I want to say that, you know, Right now, America is at a point in time that we haven't seen in a really long time in terms of people just really being vocal about, you know, the issues of police brutality when it comes to Black people, men and women. And then you also are starting to see people dig into systemic racism because, you know, A lot of people want to say, yeah, you know, I'm not racist, you know, this isn't a racist country, but people don't know that there's so many, a lot of the systems in our country are built around racism. When you, you know, look at the education system, um, you look at housing affordability, you know, you look at the healthcare system. So, so many of our systems are built around racism and I think that with the protesting and and things just being right in front of our faces, I I, want to say it might be contributed to everyone being quarantined and at home. So you have no choice but to see and hear what's going on. You know, I think that people are really starting to wake up finally. Um, I was telling one of my friends the other day, um, you know, those who weren't really into, you know, race, racial matters or, you know, police 
brutality against, you know, black men and women, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people are now starting to catch up to what, you know, we've been saying for so long. So um, I, I just feel like that America is at a tipping point and we as black people, we're, we're not going to allow people to just skate on by these situations. We're, we're going to hold people accountable now. Mm-hmm. No, nah, I mean, you absolutely hit it um, right on point. Uh, well, I mean, I definitely think that the pandemic has a big effect on everybody being so vocal and out there protesting and so forth, because I mean, there's really no distractions anymore. You can't turn a blind eye. You don't have an excuse of um, going to a movie or going to a bar with your friends or, you know, going to a sporting event or a concert. Like everybody is home right now. We're seeing this unfold. Um, So I definitely think that it plays a a big role, Um, which is is why I was always like curious, like we're going to go back to somewhat normalcy. So what is this going to look like when that happens? I'm still waiting to see that. Uh, and see if this will keep going on, that people will be this vocal. And, and stay. But what I'm playing right now, it's a beautiful sight. I love it. Um, yeah. Um, did you, what do you think about the uh, the cop that killed the, the man, Rob Richard Brooks, in Atlanta? That, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that definitely is crazy. Um, you know, I, I saw, you know, the video footage. I saw the body cam footage. And, you know, for me, I just feel like it did not have to get to the to the end result because, you know, the cops could clearly see that he was impaired, like he was drunk. And, you know, if if the cops had a mindset of, you know, hey, I'm a first responder, you know, I probably don't need to use force with him. You know, if they have the mindset of, oh, let's find a way to get him home safely or, hey, why don't you call a friend of yours to come pick you up? I feel like he would not be dead now because I don't know if you saw the body cam footage. I mean, he was talking. I didn't. You didn't? No. Okay. So, I mean, the first part of it is just them asking him questions like, do you know where you are? Like, how did you get here? Like, there was no hostility He was, you know, it was a back and forth conversation. Both of them were both polite. And then I guess after he failed the breathalyzer, that's when they were trying to arrest him. And that's when he was resisting. They got into the fight. He took the taser. He started running off. And then, you know, the cop shot him twice in the back. I just feel like that's that's a perfect example of why we need reform when it comes to, you know, policing. Because... Mm -hmm. Had they been properly trained, they, you know, the first thing that should have came to their mind was, okay, he, he needs help. Maybe we need to call a social worker or, you know, we should cops. I, I feel like they're just trained to, to use force in every situation and every situation doesn't require excessive force. Exactly. And they should be able to assess that um, based on the situation and with their training that they had. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah, um, I mean, it was good to see that that cop, um, Garrett Wolf, I believe, uh, got charged mm-hmm. on Wednesday. But then you see a follow after that where I, I believe um, the mayor of Atlanta said, um, or it was reported on a Wednesday evening that a lot of like cops were calling out like sick mm-hmm. more than usual in the, in the ATL area, which is pretty alarming when they have a job to protect and serve. And hey, if, if somebody else messed up, I mean, it might reflect bad. It might reflect bad on the department, but you guys still have an obligation to adhere to. Exactly, because that if that were 
us who called out of work, what would happen? Like we would get reprimanded, we'd get written up, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying that the morale is really low when it comes to police officers, but I mean, th- these things have been going on for so long, you know, they, they have to be addressed. And it was good that, you know, they moved quickly in Atlanta in terms of firing the officer and then um, the charges coming this week. I know that a lot of people are kind of, um, they, they believe that the charges may have been too, um, too, I want to say too hard in terms of a jury being able to convict on felony murder. I've heard people say that, you know, the charges should have been manslaughter instead. But um, I feel like we're we're shifting. America is seeing a shift. And I hope I hope that, you know, God forbid this does happen again. I just hope that, you know, these district attorneys and these mayors, they are swift to move because typically we have to wait months before charges come. Yeah, that, that's what it's been in the past. Like you, you wait months, close close to a year before charges come. So, um, yeah, it was good to see that you know the charges came quickly. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that the this whole the protest movement that blacks are just not gonna sit by and watch like cops abuse their power and get up. Well, guess what? They get away with um, senseless acts that they're gonna. Now, now we see like a lot of like swift action taking place. They're not lagging their feet anymore. Um, so that's good. That's that's definitely a sign of progress. Now you talked about um, police reform. So I was reading an article recently too about like people want why they want to see um, police be def- um, defunded, mm-hmm. and it was really it brought some interesting points that I didn't think that I never like thought about before until reading the article, such as how um, with by, by defunding the the police, the community can put that money to like impoverished areas or school systems and uh, or and like probably like youth centers in the community. Because when you think about it, a lot of crime that takes place in America um, has a, a large part to do with like the area that you live in, mm-hmm. whether or not it's uh, whether or not it's a poverty stricken area or not um, with with less jobs available less resources that eventually leads to more crime. So when I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, that sounds, um, that sounds legit. What do you think about that? Definitely agree with that. And, um, I, when, at, before you even like start to read up articles, once you hear defund, you know, a lot of people assume that it means stripping police departments, a hundred percent of their funding. But like you said, it's really reallocating funds that are, you know, given to police officers and putting them, in areas that, you know, like social services, like you said, schools, schools are so underfunded. And why aren't we putting more funding to the teachers who will eventually be teaching these, you know, feature cops? A, you know te- a, te- a teacher who I, w- I believe has the most important job in the world. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, also putting those, you know, those funds towards, you know, resources in the communities. So I definitely agree with, you know, reassessing. I, I don't, I, don't quote me on this, but I want to say, I don't know if it was NYPD, but I believe their police budget, the budget for their police department is like $6 million or or something like that. Mm. Don't quote me on that. I have to double check, but 
we really do need to reassess and 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 start start action and i believe you know defunding the police it, that is a good step you know you move move some of that that money out of the police departments and and put it towards schools put it towards you know resources and in, in communities and um yeah i i definitely agree that that is a start you know defunding the police yeah yeah i mean in the article i was reading too i think i as they're saying that they've already started that process down in minneapolis uh, mm. as well in the wake of obviously that's where the um george floyd incident happened um so yeah 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 you start and also i believe some like school districts said that they're no longer going to have um like the city police at their schools i remember i think minneapolis was like one of the first cities right after george floyd was killed i think there's a college too that i forget the college that yeah also think, said that i think minnesota university of minnesota said okay that. Yeah, yeah, they were going to have police departments at their, like, sporting events and stuff like that. So, I mean, people people are talking. A lot of a lot of things are being said now, but I think we have to wait and see what happens six months, a year, two years from now, you know? Exactly, because it's not, it's not going to be an overnight process. It's going to take a lot of work, and we have to keep hitting the pavement to really see some real significant changes, I believe. I don't think that this can be addressed, like, in, like, several months. Right, because look how long it took for us to get here. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So we 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 definitely have to to be patient and know that things are not going to happen overnight for sure. Yeah, but I will say that I'm really impressed with the younger generation. I think it's Generation Z. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> See, I'd I be forgetting all the time, but yeah, I mean, they're really making taking strides and getting their voices heard. Um, I see a lot of them like in my community. Well, well, in Cambridge, I don't live in Cambridge anymore, but a lot of them are like stressing the importance of going out to the um, voting polls this week. I meant this week, this um, November, um, doing doing the census. I think it's dope that we see a lot of people that are gonna be in very important positions in the future. Yeah, for sure. Generation Z, they are definitely um, the activist generation. They're very, um, they're outspoken, and they are all about you know change, even. The protests, a lot of the protests that are being led here where I'm at, most of them are being led by, you know, you know, those who are younger than us, the Generation Z. So, you know, I, I think our, our future is bright um, and it, it's up to those in front of them, you know, the generations ahead of them to to support Generation Z. You know, we, we have to support them because they're, they're doing amazing work. Exactly. Did you um see the Dave Chappelle special, 846? Yeah, I watched them. Um, yeah, I watched it. Oh, you watched it? What was your thoughts on it? I thought it was really good. You know, to be honest with you, I've never been into, I never watched, I've never been into comedy, even though I wouldn't even call that a comedy special because, you know, it was serious stuff that he was addressing. But I, I, I liked it because it, it just felt so raw and it was something that we needed to to see and for him to title it 846 that that really you know it puts a lot of things into perspective you know when you think about you know eight minutes and 46 seconds you saw people kneeling for eight minutes and 46 seconds and when you realize that you're like wow that's a really long time for someone to to have their knee for someone to place their knee on someone's you know neck and and for our listeners who did it 
who might not right. catch that reference that that was how long that um, the cop had his uh, knee on the neck of George Floyd. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I thought it was a brilliant special. Um, I would encourage everyone to, to watch it. Yeah. I mean, I, I like you said, like, I, I thought it was really brilliant. Um, the fact that I love the tone again, regarding the subject matter that was at hand, I thought that it was certainly appropriate, but mm -hmm. he still found a way to add the humor element into it, which is, um, why he's Dave Chappelle and why who he is. Um, so it was uh, definitely a great special to watch. Um, I like I like the fact how we did call out Don Lemon essentially for um, like like putting pressure on all these celebrities to come out and speak because I don't really think that I mean I get why people want want celebrities to speak, but I don't see why people are so pressed for, for celebrities um to speak. And Dave Chappelle's rebuttal was essentially uh, was perfect to me. Um, just to paraphrasing him, he basically said that he feels like that's going to take away from those who are really on the ground doing the work and want their voices to be heard. Someone like him was to speak on on it. What do you what do right. you think on that? Yeah, I agree. Like I I was watching it live when Don Don Lemon made you know those those statements where he was calling out you know his celebrity friends so to say, and I just feel like you you don't always have to say something because you don't know what people are doing behind the scenes. Exactly. Know? And there are so many people that that is like what they enjoy doing, doing the behind the scenes stuff. And I, I, I hear what Don Lemon is saying, you know, and at that moment, things were so raw that night when he spoke, when Don Lemon spoke. So I think our instant reaction is to say, oh, why didn't so-and-so say anything? Why didn't, why didn't so-and-so put out a statement? Why didn't they, you know, put a tweet out or whatever? But you, you shouldn't, you know, I, I, you just don't know what people are doing behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, I, I liked how he, he did kind of address that with Don Lemon in the special, too. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, again, if those, who, if those of you guys who are listening and didn't see it, highly suggest you go to watch that special, 846. It's on YouTube. I don't think it's on Netflix. I think it's only on YouTube. It's on YouTube, correct? Yeah. 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 Um. So, um, ha have you gone to any like protests since this um has sparked off throughout the country? Yeah, I went to one. Um, it was a protest slash march slash prayer walk. Um, I don't live too far from downtown. That's where most of the protests are held in my city where I live. Okay. So you know, like when I'm driving by, I'll, I'll see people protesting. Um, they've been peaceful. I, I want to say maybe like that first weekend things that things did kind of get out of hand, but they've been peaceful for the most part. Um, I, most people are post protesting over during the weekend when mm -hmm. most people are home and not working. But, um, you know, the protests that I went to, I want to say there had to have been at least 500 people there. And, um, we walked from, we walked from one side on one street. So basically we walked three, three and a half miles, and it was it was it was really good. I mean, I I know the news. They're not covering the protests anymore, but people are still protesting. People are still out there. And I just hope that, you know, we keep it up like we 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 continue to drive this and and just be and just be vocal and be active because that's that's what it's going to take. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I haven't gone to any protests yet. Um, there's going to be a Juneteenth um, event going on in Cambridge tomorrow. I'm off work, so I might I'm going to go check that out. More so, I'm going to really go there to 
I'm trying to work on a news article, not for my portfolio. So I'm going to go there and see if I can uh, get some pictures and talk to anybody who wants to be interviewed for my article. But I'll be, I'll be there. I haven't gone to any protests, but I'm loving what I'm seeing. I would never think that it would go this long, even in the midst, uh, even if, even if the fact that um, people are home and don't really have anything else to do, I would have never thought this would go this long. I thought yeah. maybe after like a week or two it would be over, but it's still going strong throughout the country too. Yeah, yeah, people are not letting up, and and I, like I said, I hope that people just continue it. You know, the news may not be covering it like they did, but people are still out there. Mm-hmm. People are still out there, so. Um, it, it it's encouraging to see and, and it's also encouraging to see that you know you're seeing a lot of like you know you're seeing white people you're seeing hispanics you're seeing asian you know you're seeing young old so everyone is out there it's not just black people like everyone is out there protesting oh I, I, where i live at i mean there's not really a lot of black people i'm high level right now and last week and i strove by a bunch of people holding up Black Lives Matter signs. I had to blink twice. I'm like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> but hey, I mean, this is dope. We we need allies on our side. Um, we do. This is the this is the time. I said that this is the time that you don't want to be on the wrong side of the of history. Is right now. That's true. That's true. Um, are you are you stressing? Um, I, I see you on on Twitter a lot. You know, stressing the importance of voting. Are you like doing that in your community? So yeah, I. I I just think that, you know, we always say elections are important, but um, this November election is really important. And so I'm really stressing the importance of requesting um, to vote by mail, because here in Florida, there are a lot of measures put in place to suppress the vote mm-hmm. um, of minorities. So it's really important that, you know, we can't use coronavirus as an excuse as to why we don't go to the voting poll. Oh, I don't want to wait in line too long. Or I don't want to be around people because of, you know, exposure to the virus. So I'm really stressing the importance of requesting a ballot to vote by mail. Um, It's super easy. You literally, you fill it out, put it in the mail, and you can even track it to make sure that, you know, the supervisor of elections office did receive your ballot. Mm. So, that is, think, those are some things that I am doing. Right now, I'm doing them remotely because of, you know, we're all quarantined. But um, yeah, I, I just think it's important that, you know, we are voting and that we're not letting coronavirus be an excuse as to why we don't vote. Especially when some of us are, are out and about every day, every day like mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. So the <laughs> least you can do is just go and, and make sure that you get your voice heard at yep. the uh, ballot box this November. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. This is a, a very, very important election and I don't want to get too political, but we've seen an administration that has, um, just fumbled this whole pandemic in the worst way imaginable. Mm-hmm. Now, one should ask themselves, do they really want another four years of this right. where thousands of lives have been impacted result- resulting in death, unemployment, um, just from a psychological standpoint, do you really want another four years of this? Is what I think people should ask themselves. And then from there, go ahead. Just- yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We. I just don't see how we can, can how we can sustain as a country if we have another four years of this. 
Yeah. But it's it's not good. So I would definitely encourage everyone, make sure that you're registered to vote um, wherever you live. Just make sure you're registered to vote. Um, double check and make sure that they have all of your correct information. And, you know, if you don't want to stand in lines um, on voting day, you know, I don't I know that I'm not sure how it is, you know, where you are. But, you know, we have early voting at least I want to say 21 days before the election or request to vote by mail. I mean, I know there, you know, the administration is trying to say that voting by mail is voter fraud, which is not true. That's not proven. It's actually a safe way to vote. So if you don't want to be in the long lines, request um, a ballot so that you can vote by mail. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you brought up a good, a good point too about um, voter suppression, which is real. We all we, we've seen it throughout the history of this country. Um, I was listening uh, to the Bill Simmons podcast, one of the podcasts I listen to frequently. Jalen Rose was on it last week and talking about the importance of voting because I believe he's in that group that LeBron's starting with uh, getting people to really go out and vote this November. He made a good point. How is it that in 2020 you can't vote on it on your phone? Right. Right. We, right. And not only that, like, <laughs> why is it so hard to register to vote? Like, we should have a system in place that as soon as you turn 18, you're automatically registered to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good point. Like, why why aren't we able to, you know, vote by on our phones? I mean, we're able to make transactions on our phones. Um, we're able to upload like medical cards, health information. Why can't we vote for? I mean, we we have these phones. Well, have a high security on them. With a lot of them have fingerprint scanners. Um, why wow, why can't we vote on our on our smartphones in twenty twenty? I think it's just another form of suppression. No, I, yeah. I, I I think so too. Because you would think that that would be you know, an option for us in 2020, like, you know, Jalen Rose said, but I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we could take a break here and then we'll come back and talk some, uh, you know, the NBA and the whole uh, controversy that's going on around that. All right. Sounds good. Okay. All right, now let's get back to the pod. All right, so now with the NBA planning to resume uh, play in, I believe, the 30th of July down at the Walt Disney Resort in Orlando, of of course, everybody's not going to be on the same page. But tensions are coming in now with, you know, Kyrie taking a hard position and um, and stating that this – resuming the play would essentially take away from the groundwork that's been established um, by, by these protests um, in order to um, beat off um, systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you, do you agree with Kyrie on that or? Okay. So from the beginning, I said, you know, and I think I posted this on Twitter. I said, what a statement it would be if, you know, the NBA decided that they, they weren't going to return to play. Like, that would be a form of protesting. Um, I, I feel like, in a sense, Kyrie Irving is right because if, you know, the NBA does resume play, 
exactly the way it was playing before George Floyd and before we were quarantined, things won't be different. You know, we, we've seen the t-shirts already, you know, the, I can't breathe t-shirts. We've seen the, the ads that they run sometimes, but I think that what Kyrie and that coalition is trying to, to do, they, and they probably went about it the wrong way up, up front, but I think they kind of went back and retracted. Like, I don't know if you saw Avery Bradley's statement, but I think their purpose is one, they want to make sure that everyone's voice is heard and not just a select few within the NBA. Mm. And it seems like there are people in that coalition, that coalition who agree with Kyrie and Avery Bradley. So I think at first the way they went about it wasn't the right way, but they want to see tangibles. Like they want to hear from NBA owners. Like, what are you guys going to do differently? You guys want us to resume playing, you know, what, what are you guys going to do differently? Are you guys going to, you know, donate to, you know, the inner city committee, you know, to the inner city communities in which your teams play in, you know, what are you guys going to do about, you know, hiring more um, black coaches and things of that nature. So I, I think what Kyrie is trying to say is if we resume play, we need to make sure that we're not going back to normal because going back to normal is what got us here. That That's real. So that's what I think. Okay. Now, um, I think both sides make great cases, but if I have to lean towards one, I'm going to lead towards the side that wants to actually resume the season. Well, I could first start off by saying that I don't – I love basketball, of course, but I'm not really too excited from a basketball fan's perspective of the season resuming just because I think that a lot of elements are going to be taken away that I feel like whoever's going to win, there'll be an asterisk attached to that. For example, there's not going to be any um, any road games or even any home games where a home crowd can swing the momentum of a series. Um, there's not going to be that real pressure that you're going to face like in a game six being on the road or like down like 15 entering the fourth quarter. So, I'm the, so yeah, I'm, just, I'm really coming at this from the standpoint of a lot of money is going to be lost. And I'm, I'm not just talking about the owners – who can lose billions or the players who can lose millions. But there's a lot of people that work within the NBA that are just that have like an average person's salary and they're going to be impacted too in their family. So we've already, we've already seen that this COVID-19 um, pandemic has just, just uh, rippled the economy. Um, so if anybody can have a chance, to, I want to see anybody who can have a chance to bounce back somewhat from that economic hit that they take, get that opportunity to do it. Um, I think people just look at the NBA, at the NBA as, oh, the players and the owners, they're greedy, they're greedy. Um, but there's a lot of people who work with, within the NBA who are, who are regular people that you probably wouldn't know if you see them walking down the street, who have a family to feed, who have bills they got to pay. So I'm looking at it like that. Like, I think that if you can play, you should. Now, I mean, if you're – now, obviously, too, we have a pandemic that's going on, so that's a real concern if you don't want to risk getting that um, – um, con contracting the um, COVID-19, then that's understandable as well. Um, also, too, I think I seen this uh, yesterday in my sports group I'm in on Facebook. Um, I think I, could, I don't know if it's real, um, but it was saying to nature that Jason Tatum was saying that he like a little reluctant to come back and play in the bubble only because he doesn't want to risk getting injured. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, and I, I wrote to that. That's kind of a lame excuse. But then when I think about it now, 
to be off this amount of time mm-hmm. and then to jump right back into this resuming sports at a high level does definitely does increase the risk of injury. So I was actually wrong. He's right. So you got to take that into consideration too. So if, if players don't even want to get injured, especially when they're due for money, because I believe Jason um, Tatum can sign his extension mm-hmm. is a rookie extension this summer. So that too, I'll accept as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I was reading that some of the younger players were um, trying to like get clarity on, I believe, like insurance. Um, yeah, I seen that. Yeah, you saw that too. So yeah, that, that is a valid point. You want to make sure, you know, if if that is a concern for you, I, I think that is a valid point. But I think that with the players' coalition. I think they're trying to make a statement and they just don't know how to make that statement correctly. So, you know, when at first we were just hearing Kyrie doesn't want people to play, you know, he doesn't think that the season should resume. And then you hear, you know, Kendrick Perkins and others saying the reason why he's being outspoken now is because he was told he couldn't be in Orlando, you know, in the bubble or whatever. So, and, you know, you have to think, too, like, we're not in on these conversations. Like, you know, we're not sitting in on the on the, the phone calls. But I feel like the media is really trying to um, make Kyrie look bad. But um, I just think that it was just the execution of, you know, of their statement. Because now I think even Dwight Howard said, you know, obviously he does he does not want to um, put any obstacles in terms of having the the season resume, but they want they want to see changes. It seems like the coalition does. Um, but like you, you know, I I'm an NBA fan too. I definitely want to see them come back, but it's not gonna be a it's not gonna be a good feel from the stand from the fan standpoint. Like it, I don't think we're gonna enjoy it as much as you know we think we are. I don't think it'll be as enjoyable. But you know, you have to think about the economic factor you know, with people who do work for these franchises. And as you were speaking, I was also thinking about, you know, there aren't going to be any home games. There aren't going to be any away games. So are the people who used to work at those arenas, those home arenas, like, are they still going to be getting paid? Like, you know, what's going to happen to them? Exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I Yeah, it's just, and also now, like, with the cases going up in Florida, I... They, they need to look at that, too, because that is a concern. You know, the cases are going up and, I, you know, the whole point of the bubble is to avoid and to to, to decrease the exposure to COVID. But yep. the, the cases are going up here. So that is another factor. I just think that, that the coalition, their execution wasn't right. But you, you're starting to hear, OK, these are the reasons why we're saying X, Y and Z. This is what we want to see. Um, and it sounds like what what they're asking for those are not things that will be able to come into effect prior to them resuming. So they're just all going to have to get on the same page at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Cause like with the coalition led by Kyrie, like I'm not like hearing anything that's real concrete as to an alternative from not um, resuming the season. Now I remember I heard before that there was a, a report of a, uh, a group chatting had with next Nets players saying that they should just elect to not join the bubble and they can possibly start their own league. But then later, Bleach Reports' Taylor Rooks, I believe yesterday, had a report out suggesting that, that Kyrie never um, proposed that idea. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know where to stand at with that. Yeah, I saw that too, that they reported that Kyrie left the the chat after 
or before that that was proposed um yeah i just think that at the end of the day they they all need to come together because you know we want to preach unity and right now they don't look unified at all they don't look unified and that is that's the first thing that you need in any type of change i know that you know when you go back to the civil rights movement people had different ideas people had disagreements they had different opinions but at the end of the day they were able to come together and that's what they need to do exactly um also too i mean like the nba i i'm i'm gonna credit the nba um, because they are really doing a a good job in taking the precautionary measures in order to resume the season and the bubble. Um, like you said, like the the idea of the bubble is to, I mean, I don't think that you can a hundred percent block off COVID nineteen, but you can take, but you can still take measures to limit the chances of any, any of your players or employees contacting the virus. So I've seen before that they're gonna have like uh, they have like a lot of amenities in that bubble with like a movie theater, uh, mm-hmm. barber. Um, what else did I see that they had? Um, I think, I think like um, twenty-four hour um, concierge, something like that. Yeah, I'm taking a look right now and see what I saw. But yeah, I mean, the, yep, twenty-four hour concierge, daily movies, lawn games, all on the Orlando campus. Um, so they are obviously going out of their way to provide like these athletes with all the amenities that are in a situation where they're going to have to be like away from their families for an extended period of time. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be convenient. Um, but I mean, again, a lot of them have the goal of just finishing the season and um, try, trying to recoup some of this money that could potentially be lost. A lot of people don't realize too, like if they don't play this season, it's not only going to affect money now, but down the line because they can tear up this um, CBA mm-hmm. and then players when players are deal are up, deals are up and they want the money that they want or that they think that they're worth, they're not going to get it if they don't finish the season off. Right. Yeah. So there's so many things that will be impacted if they don't finish the season. That is for sure. Um, but um, yeah, I mean the NBA, I, I will, I will applaud them as well too, because they definitely, Whoever is making these decisions, I'm pretty sure they're not getting a lot of sleep because, you know, for them to just come up with this 100 page document of, you know, protocols and things that, you know, will be presented to them in terms of amenities, they they definitely did a good job in laying out this foundation. But um, it, it is going to be up to the players as to whether or not things go smoothly. You know, like they say, you can't go to other people's um hotel rooms just got to stay in yours like that's something that you know the players are definitely going to have to adhere to because if you know you have a spike where so many players end up you know catching the virus like what's going to happen then i know that adam silver said that they're not going to suspend you know playing if you know players do contract the virus but at what point do you have to reevaluate things if you have you know a high number of players that have tested positive. Exactly. Or even a scenario where we have, let's say, the Western Conference Finals, just the Battle of L.A. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, would, I wouldn't even use LeBron or Kawhi in the instance. We can even say Anthony Davis or Paul George. What happens if they um, get COVID-19, they come back positive right before game five. Exactly. Um, it's going to swing the whole momentum of the series. Um and then if the whoever wins, it's not going to be looked at the same. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly, because we're, then we're going to be like, oh, they didn't have, you know, their second base best player available because they had the virus. Exactly. Um, now, see, and my thing, too, with uh, Kyrie and the coalition, um, now, I understand, obviously, like, I mean, I did say earlier, too, like, with the with everything that's going on with it, without there being any distraction, we're seeing a lot of, like, um, steam pickup with the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests and so forth. Now, um, however, like this, like I said earlier, too, this is going to be a long term project. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you're, you can possibly say, well, what do you want us to do? Not play basketball for the next several years because this is going to be a long term project. It's just not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And if, if you are really concerned about tackling, you know, social injustices, then you might have to, as an individual, remove yourself from the equation like Maya Moore did if it's something that you are wholeheartedly you know passionate about Mm -hmm. and you know the quote was out there that he's willing to give up everything I think that's what they said Kyrie said if if Mm. that's the case you know you may have to step outside of the coalition and and do it on your own yeah if that's what you want to do um but and like you said things are not going to happen overnight and a lot of the things that, you know, they've demanded are not things that are realistically going to happen prior to them resuming the season. So what what other things do you see that they are demanding the coalition? Um, I saw things such as um, improving like hiring practices for black front office and head coaching candidates. Mm. Um, I guess making sure that the management of the league better reflects the players, like that divert the, um, the demographics of the players donating to organizations that serve black communities, um, more partnerships with black owned businesses, especially like the arena vendors and things of that nature. Mm. So, I mean, those are great ideas, but those are not going to realistically happen before the start of the season maybe i don't know maybe they want a commitment to those things but i don't know how far they're willing to to go and when i say they i mean the coalition they they um those things that they're they're asking for those are great things you know i think they're awesome but realistically those are not going to go into place especially the last one about partnering with arena vendors once we don't know when we're gonna have arenas open to sporting we, events. Oh yeah, I, I've I've been I've been on record saying that we won't be able to like have events at like arenas or stadiums with capacity mm-hmm. as we did before. I would say until the next year, year and a half, yeah. because a vaccine takes about that long to make, like about a year, and then you got to get the time elapse. Where you can where you can realistically say that most people have already gotten this vaccine at this point, right? Exactly. So yeah, make make a good point. Exactly. So, you know, I don't think it's going to stop the season from resuming. I I think the only thing that might hinder what they're trying to do is just the spike in cases in Florida when it comes to the virus. Um, that that that's the only thing. But in terms of like what the coalition is trying to do, that I don't think that's going to to stop the season from resuming. But I, I do hope that with what they're presenting, I do hope that the NBA does listen to those demands and those concerns because we've known how, you know, we've always talked about how 
you know, the number of black coaches as to the number of black people in the league just does not match up. Exactly. We definitely need more black um, executives in the league. And if we know anything about the NBA of all the leagues that we follow, the NBA will definitely support that. Um, It's not going to come quickly. Like it's not going to come tomorrow, but I think the NBA will listen to them. No, I believe they will, especially with Adam Silver at the helm um, in the commissioner role. I think he's been a, a great commissioner um, who's very player, who's player. Well, some people will criticize him for being player friendly. I won't go that far. Um, but again, I mean, the players are the, are the money generators. So why shouldn't they have a voice and they'd they be taken seriously? I think he does a good job of, of listening to them and also listening to the owners too. He's a, he has a good balance. And it's, exactly. that's very, I think that's very hard to find with um, commissioners in major sports leagues. So kudos for to him. Sure. For sure. For sure. They're, they're doing, a, you know, as best of a job as they can. Hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, you said that the cases had spiked in Florida. Um, I think I saw recently that they're considering closing some parts down. Is it Miami? Is that true? Well, um, yeah, the cases have spiked here. And also in the county that I live, which is the county where they'll be in bubble, where they'll be quarantined, mm-hmm. NBA. So those numbers are going up. And then um, today our mayor just announced that beginning Saturday, everyone is required to wear a mask when they're in public. Um, there is a possibility that some cities may have to, you know, go back into quarantine. Nothing's official, but there are rumors going around that um, we might have to have those stay at home orders again because the numbers are going up and, you know, not trying to get political on here, but there's just the leadership that we have in Florida is very reminiscent or it looks a lot like the leadership in, in Washington, D.C. So, you're hearing a lot of denials when it comes to our governor, but you have, you know, city and state officials who are saying otherwise. So we, the numbers, the numbers reflect what's going on, but basically the governor is in denial. So. Um, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you guys down there are not at this moment required to wear a mask in public? No. Wow. No. <laughs> It, it wasn't required. Well, yeah, we've been, uh, I, I want to say we've been like, uh, have that requirement like the past month, month and a half, maybe. Right. Wow. I think that's why we're in the position that we're in now that, you know, the, the state rushed to reopen, but they didn't really put into, you know, a lot of parameters or any requirements. But um, I, my, my, my mayor made the announcement today that everyone will be required to wear a mask when they're in public. Wow. That's, that's bad. <laughs> that is bad. <laughs> oh man. And listen, I, I, I questioned your guys' leadership when I read the article that they deemed, even though I love wrestling, when they deemed WWE an essential business, mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> but then I learned, well, I learned that um, one of the, someone who was in leadership over you know, WWE, I believe they are like a um, Trump supporter or donor. Oh. Yeah, so I, I think that was oh, 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 donator, okay. <laughs> yeah, a don- yeah, they donate to his campaign, so I think that was a political decision that was made. It was, it was silly. It wasn't smart, but um, 
Yeah, 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 because, yeah, because I believe that that their performance center where they record all their shows now is in Orlando. Is that, is that am I right? I used I used to work. It's um, it's like on the campus of a university that I used to work at. Yeah, so it's not too far from here. Oh, okay. Mhm. Yep. They record in Orlando. What, what? What? Like that? That like yeah. That that has politics written all over it. <laughs> it yep. It was it was political, and that that just shows you the type of leadership we have here in Florida, mm. which is sad. Oh yeah, that, that, I I can't believe you guys. I haven't been wearing a mask. I didn't know that. Like I. Oh well, yeah, I didn't even know. I I didn't know it was mandatory where you're at either. I. I, I think California, it's mandatory now, but it's not even statewide. Um, it's not a, it's not even a statewide mandate here. I, I my mayor, I, he might, he might be one of the first in the state to require it. And typically, those those mandates come from the governor. But I, I think my mayor just decided to make the decision on his own because clearly the numbers are showing the spread is, you know, it's spreading rapidly. Mm-hmm. But, the people above him, they're 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 not acting. So I, I think he just took it upon himself and said, "Okay, my residents, you guys need to wear masks." Yeah, I think the language behind us wearing the mask in Massachusetts is that you should you should wear the mask if you cannot socially distance yourself. Oh, hey, listen, whenever I'm out, I'm wearing a mask. When I go when I go off my my morning walks or my walks during my lunch break, I put a mask on. I'm not taking any chances right now, so exactly. so I wear it as much as I can. Exactly. Same here. Yeah. So, so back to the NBA talk too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now, a lot of players too um, can't necessarily afford to take this financial risk that Kyrie essentially is proposing. Um, like every, I think Austin Rivers uh, spoke out against um, Kyrie's stance. Um, not everybody has money to fall back on, like a crazy shoe deal with a with a Nike or another top line. Um, they don't have any endorsements off the off the field or the basketball court. We should say here, and um, also too on the boardroom. Um, I believe it was several weeks ago. CJ McCollum said that when when asked how many players do you think live paycheck paycheck to paycheck, he said eighty percent of the league. That's I I I. I my jaw dropped when I heard that. Yeah, me too. That was eye opening. So when you look at it like that, it's like, do you, can you guys really, really afford to not play the season? Yeah, a lot of a lot of players wouldn't be able to afford it, and you know, yeah, I, I feel like I understand both sides. You know, it's like the coalition wants to make a stand. Like they want to, they want to use leverage. They want to use their leverage, but um. And I, I would say I'm pretty sure the majority of the league agrees that, you know, they they want to see changes within the league. But just to say, you know, to stop the season, um, it, it's not realistic for a lot of people. You know, like me personally, I came out up front. I said, I don't think they should have a season. But I wasn't thinking about it from the financial standpoint. I just felt that it would have been a, a strong statement for them to say we're not playing until we see X, Y, and Z. Because if they don't play, that would be a strong statement. That is their form of protesting. Mm-hmm. But um, there are players who wouldn't be able to sustain if they don't continue playing. So I, I'm, I know they're going to resume. Um, and I just hope that the coalition is still, you know, as proactive. And I'm pretty sure that even those who aren't in the quote-unquote coalition – those who are on the outside, I feel like everyone, all the players in the league, at the end of the day, they want to see changes within the league. Um, 
those changes are not going to come right away. And I think that's what the coalition has to to understand. But I really do feel like they're trying to use leverage in this situation because they believe they have leverage. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I see both sides of the argument. Certainly, they make some valid key points. But why, like, why I tend to also side on the guys that want to res- actually resume the season down in Orlando is why do people think that you can't simultaneously do two things at the same time? I think I think it's possible that you can play and then mm-hmm. still show your support for the movement that's going on. I mean, like we talked about earlier with LeBron James, what he's doing with this voting group, group that he's starting to stress the emphasis on, on voting is amazing. Um, I think they got Russell um, Westbrook working on, working on a documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it could be done. And the season's not going to be that long. I mean, not every player – it's not like every team is going to go, like, to the finals or go advance deep in the playoff. So I'm sure once that once their season comes to an end officially, they can get back there and doing the groundwork with the rest of them. Right. And, you know, the examples that you provided of LeBron and Russell, those are – those examples are more realistic, things that, you know – can go into place, especially LeBron's more than a vote. Like the election is in a few months. That is something that we'll be able to see um, outcomes from right away. Whereas, you know, the, the players coalition, you know, they want things that are not realistic right now just due to timing. But like you said, they can do both at the same time. Um, I just, we just, I just don't want um the messaging to be watered down like it has in the past when these you know injustices have occurred like mm-hmm. that's what i want i just want to make sure that you know they're still being vocal like we're 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 done with all the statements like we're past the statements we're past all of the watered down messaging um we want to see some action and i think that you know the documentary that russell has on the tulsa massacre massacre and then LeBron's more than a vote that is you know that's something that they can do while they're still playing so I I think that you know players who are really passionate about it they can find ways especially now we're quarantined you have to find ways that work based on the situation that we're in right now with COVID and you know most people being home Hmm. So it definitely can be done, like you said. They could do both at the same time. But I think that, like, from what Kyrie's coming from, I think he wants to be kind of spiteful. Like, I don't know. I'm, this is just my opinion. I now, think he wants to- I think I said something that, that he wasn't – oh, did you say that early in the part, that he wasn't invited into the bubble and that's why he's acting like yeah, he's doing what, right now? That's what Perkins said, Kendrick Perkins. He, he was saying that, you know, because they were saying that Kyrie, Kyrie was all in um, – before they announced that he couldn't, he wasn't invited to the bubble. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they said, this is where he's coming out. And, you know, Kendrick said that, you know, what he's doing right now, what Kyrie's doing right now is a distraction. And um, did you see that? Well, I didn't see the clip. I, I scrolled through on my on YouTube feed, but Kendrick Perkins, he, he seems to, he really comes off as like, he's like on LeBron's payroll because he is honestly, he is no, 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 because he is actually um on clutch on clutch sports. He signed with clutch sports, and really? it's funny because I yeah. So on my in my sports group, like um, because you know he's been ever since the last dance has been coming out, he's been taking shots at Michael Jordan, saying LeBron's the goat. But my man, I'm like in the sport group, I mean, he had screenshots of they saying Michael's the goat, like right before he even signed with clutch. But now that he's on clutch, he's all pro LeBron and like 
coming at MJ. I'm like, oh, yeah, some something special with this guy. He's yeah, definitely he's like really flip floppy. And um, I guess I don't know who posted it on Instagram. They posted his quotes about Kyrie being a distraction, and then Kevin Durant commented, "Sell out." Yep. Uh, you saw that? I seen that. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't know that about him being with Clutch Sports. So that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I'm like, he's really pro LeBron. And like, I mean, yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Now, now, I, now I see why why he talks the way he does um so much now. Because yeah. <laughs> it's kind it, of it, you just make yeah, it makes sense to me now that you said I didn't know he was with Clutch. Yeah, I mean, even like with season three, I mean, I'm sure as a much of a competitor as LeBron is, he wanted he wants to get this season done because. This this may be his best chance to ever win another championship. I mean, I agree. And in, in year seventeen, you can't take for granted the next years that are coming along that you'll be as good as you were in this moment. I play at this level. We we seen Father Time kick in. I mean, it looks like it looks like LeBron is not going to come, but who's to say that it that it couldn't happen? Um, the following season where his his play um dips off significantly, and the Lakers probably won't be considered a heavy title favorite yeah. with the likes of like the Clippers in the West and when Steph Curry and Clay Thompson come back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hey, this is it. This is your got to be all in. I, I can see his mindset. He wants to be all in and finish the season off um, strong. For sure. And um, AD, he, he'll he be a free agent next season, right? Next year, right? Next summer? This summer. He's a free agent. Yep. This summer or next summer? This summer. He's a free agent. Oh, this summer. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah, he, yeah, LeBron definitely wants to play because he, he knows that this might be his one and only chance to, to, to win it with the Lakers and with that core. So, um, you, you can see why he wants to play. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I just hope that what they have set up in terms of like the protocol, I just hope that things just run smoothly so that, um, Cause I don't, you don't want an interruption in play, and you don't want to see, you know, star players having to sit out because you know they caught the virus or whatever the case may be. They're sick, so I just hope things go according um, to schedule, and then we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy seeing like this whole rift <laughs> in the NBA community. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what? You know what? I don't think even gets talked about that much is the fact that these coaching staffs have coaches on them that are the age where COVID-19 is um, most damaging to. Yeah. I'm surprised that that doesn't get get mentioned as much. It's true. Yeah. They have, there are a lot of older coaches and um, it's going to be interesting to see, like, it's also going to be interesting to see like which, staff members are going to be allowed to travel to Orlando in mm-hmm. the bubble um, because I think they they put a limit on that too the NBA did if I'm not mistaken the number of like staff that can travel that I'm not sure of, but I know that um, that, that, that that would definitely make sense though but I know that yeah. there will be like in, like social distancing will be enforced on the bench um, a lot yeah so yeah I saw that yeah they, they're not talking a lot about the coaches but I forgot which coach came out and like, was it Mike D'Antoni or someone, one of the older coaches, um, someone reported that, oh, such and such coach might not be able to be there because of their age. And then the coach that was being um, called out said, 
um, pretty much um, that's not true. Like you can't prevent us from going because of our age or whatever. Um, yeah, but it'll it'll be interesting to see that you know with the coaches. Um, uh, yeah, I have to look and see like did if they did limit the number of personnel that can be in the bubble with the with the teams in Orlando. Mm, yeah, I'll take a look into that too. But uh, good stuff here, cause uh, what you got planned for the rest of the night? Um, nothing really. Mm. Nothing. I just probably go eat some dinner, and that's it. What about you? Uh, well, I, after this, I'll probably edit this podcast and put it up. Uh, maybe on ten, eleven o'clock. So by the morning time, it's on everybody who subscribes. Uh, uh, feed. Um, are you working tomorrow for Juneteenth? Oh no. No, I'm off tomorrow. Did you always have it off, or they gave it off to you guys for the June team? Well, so I'm um, at the college. We have Fridays off during the summer. Oh, yeah. So um, June teeth being on Friday, um, I have it off. But I think from here on out, I'm gonna request June teeth off every year. Yeah. So oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I forgot to bring that up in, in this podcast. I was going to bring it up with you. Like a lot of these companies are. <sighs> I mean, it's a nice gesture, but I feel like. Why did it take this long to demonstrate this, to display yeah. this? Um, for example, didn't they, um, aren't they Quaker Oats about to get rid of Aunt Jemima? Yeah. It, it took you that long to, to see that that was offensive? Over 100 years. Or even, <laughs> or, or even um, all these companies like, I mean, credit to Nike, but uh, Nike, but like giving um, their employees Juneteenth off and observing it as a paid holiday. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I mean, hey, I like I love the gesture, but I'm just now this this should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, a lot of these people, they're you know, a lot of these organizations and even people as individuals, they're playing catch up. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're catching up, and I just hope that they keep that same energy six months from now. You know, a year from now, because that's what it's going to take. Like it, this energy that we have now, we need to sustain it. Like it has to be ongoing. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Well, uh, cuz, um, we can wrap it up. Uh, thank you very much. No problem. Have a good night. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Special thanks to my cousin, Norma. Love you and truly appreciate it. Thank you to Anchor and thank you guys for listening. And if you haven't already, which I don't know why you haven't already, but be sure to subscribe to the Mr. Vincent podcast as it is available on several platforms that include Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also keep up with me on social media as well, Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Vincent 13. And you can also like my Facebook fan page as well, Emmanuel Vincent. Uh, Well, that's all the time we have for now. Happy uh, Friday. Happy Juneteenth. You guys have a blessed weekend and stay safe. Till next time.